welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. We started a series titled Walking in the Supernatural. Mark 16 and verse 17. Mark 16, 17 to 18. The Bible says in Mark 16, 17, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The supernatural. I'm sure you know the supernatural is the realm of God. That's the unseen realm. The supernatural realm superintends over the natural realm. Anything you see in the seen realm has first and foremost be orchestrated in the unseen realm before it happens in the natural. Nothing happens in the natural without first happening in the supernatural. That's the realm of God, the realm of angels, is the realm of demon spirits. You have the positive supernatural, you also have the negative supernatural. Positive supernatural, God superintends over that. Negative supernatural, Satan superintends over that. And believe me, the supernatural influence culture, traditions, people, families, and so on and so forth. But you know, God begotten us into a living hope. We are born again to be able to arrange things properly in the realm of the spirit. We are born again to be influencers in the realm of the spirit. You are born again to be able to watch over your family, watch over your loved ones, to be able to actually enforce the rule of God in your life, in your family, in your community. That's why we are born again. As a matter of fact, Revelation chapter 1 verse 6, God has made us priests and kings unto himself. A priest ministers to a higher deity. In the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, the high priest will go in once in a year to minister to God. And when he's going in, he goes in to the most holy place with the blood of bulls and goats. And what he's doing is to plead. He sprinkles the blood over the mercy seat to plead that God will have mercy upon the sins of the people. So when God sees the blood upon the mercy seat, he shows mercy again for a period of one year, and then he answers their prayers. So what the priest does is to minister to God, to worship God, to eulogize him, and then to ask for mercy, to intercede, to stand in the gap for other people, and of course for himself. But the Bible says he made us priests and kings. In other words, the priest ministers to God, but the king rules. The king rules in a domain. The word kingdom is king and domain. We have we made priests and kings. We minister to God, and then we now enforce the rule of God in our domain. We exercise authority in our domain. So if you are just ministering to God alone, you are priest alone, and you are not dominating your domain, you are not ruling your domain, you are not going to be effective. The two have to go hand in hand. And if you are trying to rule your domain, if you are trying to operate as a king, and you are not first ministering to God, it will not be effective. Because as we minister to God, the grace he pours upon us is the grace we use to enforce his rule on earth. So we minister to God, he showers his grace upon us, give us the anointing, and they will now rule as kings in our domain. They have to be hand in hand. In other words, if you are doing one and you are not doing the other, you can't be effective. So that's who you are. You're a king. You're also a priest of the Most High God. 
because of the blood of Jesus, we have access even into the throne of God. So we said the last time that we walk in the supernatural by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Brethren, is either you are walking in the flesh or you are walking in the spirit. I'm sure you know you're a tripartite being. I mean, you have a body, you live in a body, you have a soul, and then you are a spirit. So the core of us is a spirit. What gets born again, where we get born again is our spirit man. That is where God lives. That is where the Holy Spirit lives. Is our spirit. God is a spirit. So God comes to dwell in our spirit. When we open up to him, when we confess Jesus Christ, when we get born again, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, all this now comes to live in your spirit. That is your core. Your mind, your soul, that's where decisions are being taken. But your body is actually also an issue. So the body, the flesh, and the spirit are always at loggerheads. But when you learn to yield to the Holy Spirit, when you learn to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, you experience more of God. The Bible talks to us about the works of the flesh. Some things are evident when you're in the flesh. Adultery, fornication, envies, jealousies. I mean, he told us that in Galatians chapter 5, some things are clear. And some things are also evident when you're also yielding to the Holy Spirit. You have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, endurance. So some things are evident when you're yielding to God and when you're also yielding to the flesh. The Bible said, don't be drunk with wine as in excess. Say, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine. When somebody is drunk with alcohol, there are some certain traits they exhibit. When somebody is drunk, you will see them behaving somehow. They are loquacious, they don't have restraints, they don't have break, they lose self-control. But the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine. Say, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, as you can have a DUI, somebody driving under the influence, you can also have the Holy Spirit influence. That's very critical. So, the more you yield to the Holy Spirit, the more it takes you over. The more you pray, the more you do all these Christian disciplines, they activate the Holy Spirit within you. There are some activities you do, that we do, that actually increase the operation of the Holy Spirit in us. And there are some activities that we engage in, that actually increase the operation of the flesh in our lives. So as you engage those activities that actually help the Holy Spirit to blossom, automatically begin to walk in the supernatural. That is the realm that God wants us to operate in. The Bible says in John 3, 6, John 3, 6, that those who are born of the flesh, they are the flesh. Said, but those who are born of the spirit, they are spirits. We are not just human beings. If you are born again, you are actually a spirit being. So as you harness that power of the Spirit, you just see yourself flowing with God and you see yourself becoming solution to many people around you. God has called us to solve problems. He has given us spiritual resources to solve human problems. Whether you know it or not, you are a solution provider because you carry the glory of God within you. That's critical. So because of the God within us, we can solve problems. When you raise the dead, that's solving a problem. When you lay hands on the sick and they recover, that's solving a problem. When somebody comes to you as a problem and you pray for the person and God answers the prayer, that's solving a problem. Even your secular problems, even academic problems, when you learn to engage the spirit within you, it will help you. Jesus said categorically, John 16, 7, he said, it is expedient I go. So if I do not go, the Holy Spirit will not come. Jesus was physical. He was just a man in a place at a time. But now we are talking of a spirit that is unlimited, that is uncontainable. You can't put him in a box. It's a spirit. 
and is working. And the Bible says in the latter times, God will pour the spirit upon all flesh. Anybody who is willing will drink. So look, if you are thirsty, say, come and drink of this water. Just come and drink if you are thirsty. So God is just looking for vessels to fill. He's looking for people that will cooperate with him, that will actually come in tandem with him, and then he can use them to solve human problems. And it's my prayer, by the Holy Spirit, you will begin to solve financial problems. You will solve medical problems. You will solve academic problems. You will innovate. You will create. You will do things that will astound your world in the mighty name of Jesus. But we have to yield to the Spirit. You cannot live an effective and efficient Christian life without the Holy Spirit. It's the lubricant. It's the oil. So if you are trying to do the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, it becomes so frustrating. But it's there to help us. Even we just learn. It's there to help. It's there to help. Jesus said it's expedient that I go away. It's to your advantage that I go away. So the Holy Spirit is there. It's a person with emotions. We also said that for you to walk the supernatural, you have to be courageous. I've not seen a man who is doing something great who is not courageous. By the time David got to the valley of Hila and he saw Goliath spitting fire and brimstone, for 40 days, he had held a whole army captive. I mean, he had made them impotent. And a small boy got there, a teenage boy, and they took him down. It was courage. The other time, Paul was preaching. And there was a guy who was so engrossed in his preaching. He was engrossed. The guy was lame in his feet. And the Bible says as Paul was preaching, he was so engrossed in Paul's preaching. And Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. And Paul went to him and said, look, get up in Jesus' name. That's courage. And the guy got up. So, to do the supernatural, you have to be able to step out. You know, this issue of faith is an issue of you are believing in an unseen God. That's big. But when you step out, you can be rest assured. Before you crash land, God will always catch you because he's a faithful God. So those who do the supernatural, they are courageous. And the courage is an offshoot of the Holy Spirit working in our life. Amen. The righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one pursues. So the offshoot of the Holy Spirit's operation in your life is courage. There are times you have to speak out. And the Spirit of God in you will not allow you to be quiet when you have to speak out. So the offshoot of the Holy Spirit in our life is the courage that we exhibit. You need courage to do life. We need courage even to walk in the supernatural. And we also said that we also have to exercise authority in the name of Jesus. God has done it. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he said, look, it is finished. In other words, the work of redemption is done, is finished. Work of deliverance is finished. Work of salvation is finished. He's not looking for enforcers. He says, speak to the mountain. Don't talk to God about the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Tell the mountain to move. That's how to exercise authority. You don't beg God to help you drive out demons. You drive out the demons. There are different kinds of prayers. There's a prayer of thanksgiving. As you are thanking God, yeah. There's a prayer of supplication. But there's also a prayer of faith. Where you tell demon spirits, go. And they go. There's a prayer of faith. Where you lay hands on the sick, recover in Jesus' name. The person recovers. So, God has given us authority. So, when you are asking God to do what he's giving you authority to do, you are wasting time. You are praying the wrong kind of prayers. We have to learn to decree things. So whatever thing you decree shall be established. Kings rule by decree. That's who you are. You are a king. It's not every time that you have to pray, pray. You know, just say a word and go. Amen. Jesus saw the fig tree. He was looking for fruit. There was no fruit. And he just said, look, you are cursed. Nobody will eat fruit from you. Not anymore. And that was it. And they were passing by the other day. And Peter said, ah, master, this thing has dried up. 
That's the authority we have. That's the authority. You have to learn that your words are powerful. But if you are just careless with your words, you just speak all the time, you never had faith to your word, they will not be powerful. Because you carry the Holy Spirit within you, you are anointed, everything you say in faith will come to pass. And if you begin to value your words, because whatever thing you value, whatever thing you appraise, that's what you get results from. When you begin to value your words, when you begin to actually hold your word in esteem, you begin to see results from the words you speak. But when you devalue your word, when you don't take your word seriously, then you will not see much. He has made us kings and priests unto him. Jesus was speaking to trees, speaking to storms, speaking to the wind. He was speaking to dead bodies to arise. What was he doing? He was showing us a model. Amen? He was showing us a model. He's the model. He was showing us how to operate, how to do life. I mean, your Christian life, you'll be able to actually decree a few things and see them come to pass. And I decree over you, whatever thing you decree from us for, so shall it be. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will see the supernatural. You will walk the supernatural to your advantage in the mighty name of Jesus. Mark chapter 6 verse 2, the Bible says in Mark chapter 6 verse 2, Mark 6 2, and on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who listened to him were utterly astonished, saying, where did this man acquire all this? What is the wisdom? the broad and full intelligence which has been given to him, what mighty works and exhibitions of power are wrought by his hands. You see, God's wisdom and mighty works are intertwined. You can't separate them. In other words, God's wisdom also performs mighty works. When they saw Jesus preaching, they were astonished. Ah, where did this man get all this from? Such that these mighty works are being done. They say, what wisdom is this that is exhibiting? And of course, at the same time too, Mighty works. What wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? As God is displaying wisdom, his wisdom also is showing us his mighty works. By wisdom he founded the earth. Amen. And when you look at the world that we live in, you will know this is awesome. So his wisdom actually created the world. You cannot separate God's wisdom and his mighty acts. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, that now, that God's intention is that through the church, through the church, it will display his manifold wisdom to principalities and powers. One of us said is multifaceted wisdom, many-sided wisdom. He wants to, through you, display wisdom. And you know, God's foolishness is wiser than the wisdom of men. In other words, we are man's wisdom hence. That's where God's foolishness starts. So, mighty works are done by the wisdom of God. Mighty works. And the wisdom of God is always shrouded in mystery. It's not open to everybody. Bible says some people have eyes they cannot see. Some people have ears they cannot hear. So, God's wisdom is always shrouded in mystery. Mystery is something unexplainable. Something that doesn't make sense to the human mind. Mystery is something profound. It's something divine. So, God's wisdom is mystery. Is not open to everybody, but it's open to you. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. It says, It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them that are without, it's not given. It's been given to us to know we have the key. We can access the mind of God. We have the mind of Christ. The Bible says so clearly, and he replied them to you that has been given to know the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them who are without, 
It hasn't been given. So through the Holy Spirit living within me, I can access at least the wisdom of God. And you know, many times when I pray, God grant me wisdom, at times he may just send me a book. It's not one way. The wisdom is multifaceted, many-sided wisdom of God. It can just minister to you through the preaching of the word. It can just send a friend to you that will give you expert counsel, the right counsel. So God's wisdom is multifaceted, and we have access to it. Which is why we have to learn to engage the Holy Spirit. When things are not clear to you, ask him questions. We have to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to love him. We have to learn to worship him. We have to learn to obey him. We have to learn to keep in step with him. Because he's the greatest ally of all. When you have him, you have it all. God's wisdom is such that it could be so easy to come by at the same time, so difficult to access. It's all about where you turn to. The Bible says in Proverbs 25 verse 2, Proverbs 25 verse 2, that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But the glory of kings is to search out the matter. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. God conceals. But kings, kings, they search out the matter. Say, counsel in the heart of man is like deep waters. Say, the man of understanding will pull it out. Counsel is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. The great counsel is in us. Say, the man of understanding will pull it out. So, God's counsel is available. But if you are not engaging the Holy Spirit, if you are not pursuing wisdom, you may not access it. And that's all we need. By the time you start displaying God's wisdom, everything falls in place. You look like a superstar by the time you start displaying God's wisdom. The Bible talks about Daniel, that Daniel actually served four successive kings. By the time Daniel became public servant, he was a young man. But he retired when he was in his mid-80s. They just couldn't discard him. When you are too easily discardable, that means you are cheap. When you are easily replaceable, whatever thing you do, when you are easily replaceable, that means you are cheap. On a serious note, don't be easily replaceable. Always make sure you have something to bring to the table. It could be counsel, it could be, yes, okay, improve your skills, thank God for skills. But you see, you have a bigger, you have a greater skill in the Holy Spirit. They are human beings. You are a spirit being. You have access. There is counsel in you. The counselor lives in you. Not a counselor. The counselor himself lives in you. And when you learn how to engage in, even in the boardroom, you can just whisper a prayer under your breath. Holy Spirit, what do I do? How do I go about this? Don't live your life as an orphan. If you have a companion, you don't talk to her. You have your companion. You are just living together as strangers. The woman will not be happy. So why are you just living as a stranger with the Holy Spirit? Engage him. As you walk on the street, sing to him. Acknowledge his presence. Begin to engage him. Before you know it, you begin to hear whispers. You begin to know what to do part time. The Bible says Jesus Christ was never stuck. Every time he got to a crossroad, he always knew what to do. Superior intelligence always came in, into his mind. You know, superior knowledge always came in. Because the counselor is there. Say, it is to your advantage I go away. Because if I do not go away, this counselor will not come. And the counselor is there. If only we will just listen and obey him, accommodate him, make him cheerful, you know, give him room to operate, we become much better. Every secret you need is in the Holy Spirit. It's a revealer of secrets. It's my prayer. God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Mighty works are performed by the wisdom of God. Mighty works are performed by God's wisdom, and God's wisdom is awesome. 
God's wisdom is always shrouded in mystery. The Bible says if the prince of this world, if he had known, he would not have crucified the only one of Israel. You see, the way God operates is awesome. Satan may think he has cornered you. Satan may push you to the wall. But God always has a way of escape. At times, what the enemy means for evil, God turns around for your good. Amen? God is always a step ahead of the enemy. It doesn't matter what you are saying in the world. It doesn't matter how crazy the world is becoming. God <laughs> is in control. Because Satan thought by killing Jesus, that would be the end of the story. But it was that killing that actually undo him. So at times, Satan may think he has cornered you. But, but, but no, 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 no. The Bible says those who are born of the Spirit, that you can't even predict them. That just like the wind blows, wherever he wishes, so also is the one that is born of the Spirit. So we are always ahead of the devil. It doesn't matter what he's trying to do. I know God's wisdom is such that it doesn't make common sense. Because God tells you by dying, that's how you live. Every seed you plant, first and foremost, dies. I hope you know that. It dies before it resurrects again. God says, give, it shall be given unto you. He man says, look, if you give, you will run out of money. But God said, look, give, and then it shall be given back to you. That's covenant sense. So God's sense, covenant sense is always diametrically opposed to human reasoning. But believing sincerely is a superior intelligence, is a superior knowledge. By the time God gave Solomon wisdom, people were bringing stuff for Solomon. Solomon didn't really have anything he was doing. He was just displaying wisdom. People would just gather and listen to him. That's the wisdom of God. Is my prayer that wisdom will find expression through you in the mighty name of Jesus? Is my prayer over and above everything you are pursuing, you also pursue God's wisdom. And that wisdom is found in the scriptures. I hope you know that. The more acquainted you are with the scriptures, the closer you are to the wisdom of God. The more acquainted you are with the Holy Spirit, the closer you are to the wisdom of God. The more obedient you are to God, the closer you are to the wisdom of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Said those who walk with the wise, they shall be wise. When you walk with this book, you become wise. God needs you to be wise. He needs you to be wise in your family. There are many decisions we make in life, too many. That if you don't have covenant sense, you don't have God's wisdom, you will make a mockery of life. People are making a mockery of their life because they don't have common sense. At times, people display, ah, can't you think? Aren't you thinking? Don't you have common sense? Even common sense is not common. So, God said, look, you can access my wisdom because it's always shrouded in mystery. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.